Hello and welcome to another episode of the V-Gains podcast. Today I'm joined by Nimal Delgado, a professional vegan bodybuilder who has been vegetarian since birth. That means he has never eaten meat in his entire life. So no steak, no chicken, no fish, no turkey, no pork, no bacon. I know, crazy. Never eaten bacon in his life. And what, uh, yeah, what does it do to him? He thrives. And he not only thrives on blends, but he is crazy muscular. Check out his Instagram. So, Nimai, welcome to my show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited too, and my follower base as well. I got so many questions. It's, it's crazy. I took the best ones, which I'm curious too, and I think provide a lot of value and get great insights. So I make a mix of my own questions and a lot of follower questions, so... Shall we just start with the first follow-up question I got the most? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm curious to know what your audience has, uh, has sent you, and I'm, I'm really excited to answer them. Okay. The, um, I got the most about your training, and the most common one was about that. Like, what's his training like? Does he periodize, splits, etc.? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... My training has kind of been a culmination of different techniques that I've learned and studied over the past like 10 years. So it's difficult to really silo my style of training into one particular style. Like I do periodize, I do progressively overload, I do deload weeks, I'll do circuit training weeks where I don't lift much weights at all and I only focus on body weight movements. Um, I, I think... To, to put it basically is I follow a split where normally I will work out a particular body part or maybe a combination of body parts and allow myself at least two days to recover and um, then just kind of go from there. So for example, I will start off with uh, let's say back on Monday and then I'll do chest on Tuesday, I'll take a rest day, then I'll do legs. Then I'll do shoulders and arms, and then I will restart. I'll start again on back. So I typically only like to take one rest day. Uh, that way I'll allow my body to recover. Um, I won't overtrain, and then I can work out my weak points. I like, I'm a big fan of working out weak points like two times a week um, and making them a priority. So I feel like a lot of people, whenever they train, they only like to train the things they like to train. So... That's when they develop imbalances. You know, that's why somebody's arms might not be the way they want them to look, is because they only train arms once a week. Uh, they only train chest or legs once a week. When in reality, if you want something to grow, the only way to do it is to stimulate it and force it to grow. Um, and you can do that several times a week if you split up your training properly. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your frequency for each muscle once um, per week? Some, some muscle groups once a week and then other muscle groups two times a week. Like some of your smaller muscle groups, I like to work out two times a week, like shoulders for me. I have always naturally had small shoulders, so it's been a priority of mine to grow my shoulders into like those, those kind of cantaloupe caps that some guys have. Um, and so I, I train shoulders twice a week. Uh, I used to train arms twice a week, but now I, I tapered it back to once a week. Um, or as one arm day per week is what I should say, because naturally when you do chest or back or even shoulders, uh, you do work out 
your arms as well, but you're just not focusing on them 100%. So that's why I've always had like a dedicated arm day where I only do biceps and triceps uh, that day. And I think that's kind of what helped me grow my arms a little bit quicker. But now it's time for me to like catch up other body parts. I'm always like mindful that my arms are bigger than like if you have big arms most of the times you have smaller shoulders if you have bigger shoulders sometimes most guys have smaller arms so it's about finding the balance and then that's like a big uh goal of mine is to just have like symmetry have balance have muscularity definition and not overdo it in any one particular area just have like a a nicely balanced aesthetic physique yeah judging judging by the mirror is always good being honest to oneself and um And definitely arms are heavily involved in, in pull and push exercise. Many people forget that, especially if you progress and get stronger. You're like for bench press, your triceps, for rows and everything pull up. You, you heavily involve your biceps. So I definitely would count that in. So your frequency, I would say, is two for, for arms. Um, and that, that is great. Um, have, you, have you ever considered like an upper body, lower body split where you even do a frequency of three times per week? Like yeah, that. I I actually just started doing upper lower um, splits. Actually, I, I'm a big favorite of, of push pull legs. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that like even though I train like when I leave the gym, like I, I really like the the bro split. You know, the typical chest, back, arms, legs. You know, um, that type of like shoulders, that type of split that most bodybuilders do. I like that style just because it's worked for me for so long where I can really dial down on the details and isolate a single muscle group and really focus on, on just, you know, destroying it and like really pushing yourself in the gym for that one particular muscle group. Whenever you do like upper lower or push pull, you kind of, I feel like I don't work it out as efficiently Uh, because like we talked about, you're working out other muscle groups and at the same time you might not get feeling like you have an, as an effective workout. Uh, but lately I've, I've actually been trying it out a lot more like push pull or upper lower and I really enjoy it because you can train a little bit more frequently that way. And I think what most people don't realize is when you do that type of workout where you do like upper lower splits, um, if you look at the total volume of sets at the end of the week, You actually, you actually end up working more volume at the end of the week, which is directly correlated to strength gains and hypertrophy gains as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the upper lower split is actually like a really good effective way. And that's something that I've just put off for so long just because I've been so like kind of uh, focused on like doing things the way I've always done things. But now I'm a lot more open to doing that. Yeah, it is crazy how the volume accumulates with an upper body, lower body split, for example. Here in Germany, we're really based on, on science and all the uh, good YouTubers and they all have switched to an upper body, lower body splits, citing the studies that, you know, the ideal frequencies for natural lifters is between two to three and that you hit that with an upper body, lower body split and then um, the volume you accumulate because your performance decreases drastically And when you yeah. train upper body three times per week, always start with bench press and you're so strong at the beginning and overall the volume, because studies show volume is the most important factor for building muscles, after mm -hmm. a week you have tons more of weight stemmed than if you, for example, just do this pro split where you only do chest on one day, your performance just drastically decreases 
and you move so little weight because for example the chest is a quite small muscle and you know it's so fatigued at the end you're basically just moving glycogen and since I switched to an upper body lower body split I think over two years ago that's where I make the most gains and I got so much stronger and uh, because first of all you're getting so much better because you're actually practicing the exercise mm -hmm. so much more often you, you're squatting three times per week and you're not like oh first I have to okay get familiar with no you're in it you go hard and uh, you, you get so much um, volume in and what I, what I love about the upper body training is just that you train antagonistically like push pull push pull and for example the push pull leg split I did before but after a couple push exercises you know I'm so fatigued I need to rest long and I, I, my triceps are so pumped up but when I do it antagonistically like push pull push pull I kind of like always fresh and I, the, the pump just gets insane. I, I love it. So I, I never want to go back to push pull legs. I did it before. It's also great. But for me, it's just my trainings are more intense and, and I love it. So uh, yeah. I'm yeah. On, on that note, I think that each training style has their own specific purpose. You know, like for somebody starting off, I would definitely recommend a either a push pull leg split or an upper body lower body split. I don't feel like it's necessary to go straight into uh, an isolation style five day split. Um, for that reason of exactly what you just said, you can get stronger quicker and build more mass quicker uh, with more frequent training and with the more heavier compound lifts, which that's what you do with upper body, lower body splits. However, if you've already accumulated enough mass and you're happy with it and you want to focus more on like hypertrophy um, and building muscles in the, in the right areas for more bodybuilding style, uh, maybe leaning down for shows, then I do believe in like the, you know, the five day split where you, the, the five day bro split is what I call it. Uh, so I, I feel like each training style has their purpose, and if you integrate them all into, you know, a, a well thought out training program, then over the course of the year, you're constantly gaining. You're not plateauing, and that's what it's all about. You know, you don't want to be that guy that goes to the gym and does the same three sets of ten every single day with the same exercises uh, year after year, and then wondering why you're not getting anywhere. I agree, definitely. Yeah, if you if you don't make progression, then analyze yourself what can I change what factor could be improved and a big factor is also of course motivation like if you if upper body lower body split just is not fun for you then don't do it because motivation is so important because that you have to thrive and actually keep pushing and those last rep, reps make them count that is what makes you grow and if you're just not motivated by the best plan that could you know just do what what motivates you if you like a pro split if you like push pull legs you know what is motivating for you to do and you actually thrive for it and give it your all that is then that is that is a really important factor as well yeah definitely motivation has a huge factor in it and like like you just mentioned if you don't like it then chances are you're not going to be motivated to do it um, whatever that motivation is for you uh, you have to keep that in mind whenever you go into the gym like you have to go in there with a with a like a mission you know like you're going in there to accomplish a job and that is to push yourself to the limits it's going to be whether to break yourself down to the point of failure um that's what you should keep in mind every time you go to the gym too many times i see guys that just go in there and they you know they walk around they bullshit they talk on their phone or they text they talk to the other guys in the gym and they're not really there to work out they might have been there for two hours but realistically if you count the time under tension that they 
you know, they did in the gym, it might be three minutes, you know, so you have to, as opposed to somebody who's going in there for only 30 minutes, but he's having a really effective workout because he's actually pushing himself uh, to the point of failure or close to it. And he has a much more effective workout with a quarter of the time. Yes. So you have to, you have to keep that in mind every time you go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next follower question is, I have a question for him. Garth Davis in the book Proteinaholic suggests that too much protein can cause aging and shorten longevity. Does Nimai think his pursuit of bodybuilding means a trade uh, means he trades longevity for aesthetics? Yeah, that's a question I get asked quite a bit actually. Um, I think that most of the studies that you know relate longevity to protein consumption are primarily um, they indicate that animal-based protein is a little is definitely more harmful in, the, in regards to longevity than plant-based protein um, so luckily for me a majority of my life I've been only consuming plant-based proteins uh, and I'm going to continue to do that for the rest of my life so even though you know, you, you can't necessarily worry about every single little thing like, oh, if I eat too much protein, I'm going to age quicker than I'm going to die quicker. Like everything in moderation, you know what I mean? Like this is just a time in my life where I am, you know, doing what I'm doing. I'm a professional bodybuilder. Obviously that requires me pushing myself in the gym, ingesting more protein. Um, but at least you can control the type of proteins that you're ingesting. And it, I mean, the science shows and it backs that plant-based proteins don't have the same effect on your body as animal-based proteins. So, and, and on top of that, I don't consume as much protein as your typical bodybuilder. So I'm, I weigh like 180 grams. I might get, you know, 0.9. My, my normal is, is 0.9 grams times my lean body mass. So I'm about like 150 grams of protein per day, uh, which is far less than your typical bodybuilder. Um, Definitely. It's more about being it's more about being efficient with your protein rather than like over consuming it and as long as you you're mindful of that then I'm not worried about you know over consuming on protein and and decreasing my lifespan. Definitely and I think all the research I've uh, looked into for longevity I've no doubt you will live e even longer because of that. First of all, you don't consume animal protein which is yeah. the number one cause, you know, plant protein you know, it, there is no bad effect on it. What what I have seen, there is not. You, it doesn't put stress on your kidneys, etc. It's just if you eat too much um, plant protein, it's just unnecessary because you would miss out on getting essential yeah. nutrients which you might miss. But as you just said, you don't go crazy on protein. You go quite moderate, so you get uh, all the other nutrients in you need, and all the training you do, you just have healthy, strong bones which will be strong during old age because you keep moving, you keep training. So I think it will be even, you know, it improves your longevity because like the blue zones, you know, they're not doing bodybuilding, but they are just staying active. And um, that's what you do. You just have an excess amount of, of muscles, but I never seen a study where this is harmful that having more muscles, you know, it's just it, studies show over and over again that if you, if you move regularly, your bone structure gets stronger and everything. So I don't see there any downside, only upside. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's only upside too. And like, 
like I don't know if there's a study out there that has studied plant protein consumption over the course of like a lifetime or I don't know if there's a specific study that addresses that and longevity. Uh, but like you said, I mean, the benefits you get from strictly eating plant proteins as opposed to animal proteins, um, I'm sure it far outweighs the consumption of protein because you are getting the extra vitamins, the extra nutrients, and all the other health-promoting substances that come in those forms of plant proteins. So like I said, I'm not worried about it. And you're, just... you're, you're mostly getting your, your uh, protein from Whole Foods anyway, so that is the great exactly. package because it has everything what you need and what you need for longevity. So leading on to this question, uh, what are Nimai's daily macros? And first of all, I, I, I love it that you said that you calculate your protein uh, according to your lean body mass. I, I do the same because I only want to feed my muscles, not my, I don't want to feed my fat with protein. So I, yeah. I calculate my lean mu muscle mass, which is quite simple. You just need to know your body fat percentage, your height and your weight. And then you can calculate it. And yeah, what is your um, macros, your daily macros? Uh, yeah, so this is, this is another question I get almost daily. And it, it's frustrating because I think people look at me and they say like, oh, if I just follow his macro plan, I'll look like him. It, it's not the case at all. There's so many factors that go into that. And I only, like, I determine my macros based off where I am today, where I want to be in a certain amount of time. Uh, normally, I'm either like bulking when I'm not training for a show or I'm shredding down for a show. So my, your macros are very dependent on that. So for me, there are several like basis bases that I cover. Um, like you mentioned just now, calculating your protein. That's what I do first based off of my goal. And normally if you're in a deficit, which means that most likely I'm cutting for a show, Uh, I'll calculate my, my lean body mass, which the way you just described it, uh, your body, your body, your total body mass minus your fat percentage is going to give you your lean body mass. And then I will do about 0.9 times that. Um, I forget the exact study and what it shows is like kind of like the upper limit for protein and maintaining uh, muscle mass in a deficit. But it's like 0.82 to, to one gram somewhere around there. I normally hover about 0.9 and I will track that throughout my prep just to make sure that like I'll use like in-body scans. Um, I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's basically like a scale where it measures like um, fat percentage, water weight, um, lean muscle mass, all of these things. So you can track it the closer you get to a show and make sure that you're not burning off muscle and you're more inclined to burn off fat when you're in a deficit. So that's when kind of Dexas your macro. Again? No, it's called an in-body, I-N-N, body. It's like, um, it's an impedance measurement. So it'll measure your, um, basically like the electrical resistance or conductivity in your body um, based off of like how conductive your muscles are versus how much water you have in your system. And how? So, and, and it'll, it'll give you an accurate reading of, how many pounds of lean muscle mass you have, how many pounds of fat you have, how many pounds of bone you have. Um, so it's like almost the next closest thing to like a DEXA scan, uh, but it is measured on electrical resistance. So there is some like variation there based off like how conductive you are that day, basically how much water you have, how many electrolytes you have in your system. Um, 
but I use them. They have one at my gym that I use occasionally. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting off topic. So uh, uh, essentially, calculate your your protein first, based off your goal. Uh, for me, I'll like I said, I'll do 0.9 times my lean body mass, and then I will always allow about 50% of my calories from carbs, and then the remainder to fats. Normally, it's about 20-25% from fats. And that's about it when I'm doing shredding, when I'm cutting down for shows. Uh, if I'm bulking up, then I'll actually not even track my protein at all uh, because I know I'm going to get more than what I need just by naturally eating a lot more calories and the, the way that I eat. Um, so I'll probably get about the same amount of protein, 150 to anywhere from 150 to 200 grams of protein per day. And then the same same kind of ratio, I'll probably up my ratio of uh, carbs to about 60% of my calories from carbs, from whole food carbs, and the remainder from from fats. So basically when I bulk up, I just add more carbs and avocados and peanut butter and nuts to my diet, and that's been effective for me to build muscle. And probably before you calculate your protein, you calculate how many calories you have, right, uh, you aim for. Yeah, I, when I'm bulking, I don't necessarily track my calories as, as strictly as when I'm cutting because like when you're cutting down and at my level, you're getting on stage next to somebody that they're they're judging you by the most minuscule difference between one another. You have to be conscious of every single detail whenever you're dieting too uh, because that's the only way that you're going to get as lean as the guy next to you is you have to track everything. You have to monitor every single thing you do. And that's the only way to get that lean. And that's why a lot of people don't understand like how somebody could get that lean and the work it takes. Uh, but it, it's a lot of work. But when you're bulking, it, it, you know, it's a lot more relaxed because you can just naturally eat the same foods that I normally eat just in higher quantities. And I'm more worried about just overall total number of calories rather than a macro ratio because I know I'm going to get more protein than I need. And I'm just going to eat more carbs and fats in in the meantime. Mm -hmm. So for me, a bulking calorie range would be I don't know somewhere around 3,500. I don't I don't like to go overboard uh, in a surplus when I do bulking. Like normally, I only do about 300 to 500 calories extra per day. Yeah, and and just I'll change up my training style to account for the extra calories and include more compound lifts. Um, I'll go heavier, I'll decrease my rep range, I'll increase my rest time, that way I can lift more volume. Um, so it's just about making those little changes. It's, it's not like this crazy you know, scientific formula that you have to do. It's more about just being consistent in certain things and understanding the basic principles of nutrition and training. Yes, more, most importantly, finding out your maintenance calories, how much you burn. And then if you want to gain weight, you need to be in a surplus. If you want to lose weight, you yeah. need to be in a deficit that is like king. That is the most important thing. And then, as you said, if you want to diet down, focus more, more that you get enough protein if you do weightlifting. And um, yeah, I, and I, as you said, I always recommend lean bulking that you don't do dirty bulks because you just gain excess amount of body fat. You don't gain more muscles and you have to diet that down eventually. And then you probably lose even more muscles. So lean bulking you get all the benefits without excess amounts of fat which i think no one wants so just as you said a couple hundred calories in a surplus is all you need and if you go 
thousand calories in a surplus, there is not a deficit, only downside that your testosterone level is even lower, you feel more bloated, etc. So I always recommend lean bulking and you, you know, you just feel great during your bulk. You don't feel like, oh, I get so puffy and um, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, exa exactly right. Because I don't, I don't, I hate feeling like too bulky, you know what I mean? And it's like, there's no reason to, like people think they have like, you know, they can go wide open and just eat whatever they want. Uh, when they're bulking and just blame it on the fact that they're bulking or just use that excuse. Uh, but the reality is like eating whatever you want is not going to help you reach your goal quicker. Like, yeah, you can gain more weight, but how much of that is fat? So like I said, you only need a couple hundred extra more calories. I say 300 as a minimum, uh, but stick it between like maintain it between three to 500 extra calories and just monitor it. That's a, that's another thing that people forget to do is monitor their gains or their progress. And that's how things get out of control is if like, you know, if you're eating 500 extra calories and you're working out, but when you monitor your fat percentage, you're gaining way more fat than you are muscle, then, mm -hmm. you know, chances are you might need to take it back and only do a couple hundred extra calories because your body is just responding that way. Like everybody's response is different uh, based off of a lot of different factors. So you know, what works for me might not work for you and might not work for the person next to you. So it's always about finding out how your body works. And that's why I'm so kind of like frustrated when people ask me what my calories are, what my macros are. It's like, dude, it's so dependent mm -hmm. on so many factors that like you're asking the wrong question. Like, you know, just understand the basic principles. Like you said, energy in versus energy out. That's the most basic uh, principle when it comes to bulking or cutting. And then everything underneath that uh, that follows is kind of more fine-tuning that you have to figure out for yourself. And many people forget about training. They think like, oh, I just go to the gym. There's not much more to it. And if I don't gain muscles, I, I need to eat more. No, training is so important that you train right. And uh, many people think like, oh, I yeah, just eat more protein. But no, you don't gain muscles by just eat more protein. It's It's like your bones. You don't get stronger bones if you eat more calcium. It's use them or lose them you need to use your muscles yeah. right you need to train right and you need to educate yourself about training about how to make progression volume intensity frequency learn about that and train properly that is so important and that is what i think the most uh, see the most that people just don't know how to train and are clueless and think like oh it's it's macros there's the secret you you need your nutrients you need your protein but training is so important that you train right because I remember myself when I didn't know what I was doing. I was just in the gym looking left and right, uh, imitating people. And I wasn't a surplus, but I gained no amounts of, of muscle. I just got skinny fat. But then I educated myself about training. And that's when it happened where, where I got stronger because I started to do compound movements, which I've never, you know, done before. And that's why training is so important. And many people think like, oh, there's a secret in the macro. So I'm glad you, you touched on that. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it, it, what you're saying is completely accurate, but I feel like a majority of the results just come from basic principles. You know, it's like, it's like the 80-20 rule, you know, like if you just figure out the basic things that give you the most results, just stick to those. You know what I mean? Um, if you eat in a surplus, you know, a mo like a moderate surplus and you go to the gym and you train more compound movements, you progressively increase the weight over a given period of time then naturally you're going to get more strong and you're going to build more mass. Um, same thing when it comes to, you know, trying to lose fat, you know, just put yourself in a little bit of a, a deficit 
and then increase the volume to where you burn more calories and you're going to burn more fat while maintaining your mass. I like guess just very basic principles. I feel like people overcomplicate things so much um, and worry about, oh, I went over my, my, you know, my carb calories by five grams. Like they focus so much effort on things that don't really make that much of a difference. You know, it's just the basic principles that'll give you the best results and just being consistent, you know, make sure you're getting your sleep, make sure you're going to the gym every day and make sure you're, you're hitting your nutritional program by about like 90% every day and you're going to see progress. Uh, but the, the reality is that people, they fail on one of those aspects and that's where like it'll, it'll affect your, your progress and how quickly you get to your goal. Um, alcohol is another big one that people seem to forget about. It's like, Oh yeah, you can go to the gym every day. You can tr eat right, you know, five days out of the week and then get shit based the last two days of the week and completely, you know, undo all the progress you did during the week. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. just like taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. 100%. I couldn't agree more on that. And next question is about what do you prefer to listen during the gym? Listen to music or podcast, audiobook, etc., or nothing at all? Uh, definitely music for me. I feel like music can get me in the zone and really help me. Um, just kind of drown out all the all the distractions. If I'm doing cardio, then I like listening to podcasts. Um, I listen to podcasts while I do work on my phone uh, when I'm on like the stair step or like I get I, when I do cardio. I normally do it for like 30 to 40 minutes, and I'll just listen to a podcast on like one and a half times the speed, so I'll like digest it a little <laughs> bit quicker, and then I'll I'll listen or I'll do my work on either answering emails or creating content for Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And, um, but if I'm working out hard, I like definitely listening to music, uh, primarily music with no words. I, I like more like electronic music. That's just more rhythmic and just kind of, I don't know. It just keeps me on pace. So, mm -hmm. but I switch it up. I like rock music too. Uh, like system of a down is like one of my favorite bands, rage against the machine. Uh, those, that type of music for me always gets me in the zone. Nice. Yeah, I, I mostly listen to music at the beginning for the compound movements to get into the workout. And at the end, I, I often like to switch to podcasts, but I, I always adjust to the day. Sometimes nothing, sometimes music, sometimes podcasts. And um, for me, it's always important to get into the workout because sometimes, you know, you never, you, you've gone through your workout and you've never been into your workout. And I always yeah. want to reach this point like now I'm in here and I can listen to whatever and I have this purpose. And often music gets me there. And then, then I switch or, or nothing. It, it always depends. Um, how does he cope with all the judgment in the professional bodybuilding scene? <laughs> um, I don't really, you know, I, I'm human, right? So obviously things get to me. Um, but over time, I've definitely learned how to not let things affect me as much. Um, you know, my, my whole upbringing I was judged for being different um, you know growing up in the southern part of the United States um, and being different having a different name having a different diet having a different religion all of these things you know created a lot of judgment so I was pretty used to it growing up I, I was very I learned how to be comfortable with myself at a very young age and just knew and accepted that I was a little bit different and I was okay 
it didn't make me a, a worse person for it and it didn't make them a worse person for judging me. It's just something that they don't understand. Um, so same thing when it comes to bodybuilding, you know, even within the bodybuilding community, you're always going to get judged on everything you do. Uh, being a social media influencer where you have, you know, a couple hundred thousand eyes on you, every single thing you do gets judged and everybody has their opinion. And what I've learned is that you're never going to please everyone. Like you're never going to do it. So there's no point in trying. Like the only person you should be worried about pleasing is yourself. And I mean that in the sense that do things that are authentic to yourself and things that do things that you're aligned with, you know, regardless of what other people think, if it makes you happy and you believe it uh, to be the right thing, then go for it and do it. And people are going to always judge you. Um, but you can't live your life trying to please everybody because it's just going to drive you crazy and it's going to, it's going to detract from your authenticity. Um, so whenever a few years back, whenever I decided to even put myself out there on social media, I made that decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get judged. Uh, people are not going to understand who I am and I'm okay with that. But hopefully by being more authentic and putting myself out there, I'll attract the people that do resonate with me and believe in similar things that I do and stand up for the same things that I stand up for. And, you know, I, even though my circle is small, it's, it's about quality rather than quantity. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have friends that like me for who I really am than a bunch of friends that like me for who I'm not, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah that's the best advice I could give somebody. Yes. Uh, really well said. Um, the next question, I don't know if you, if you want to talk about it because I, I, you covered it beautifully in the plant-based news video on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. But someone asked, does Nimai takes or takes or took any steroids ever? <laughs> yeah, this is probably the next biggest question I get asked. Uh, the answer is no. And the, the reality is I've never needed to. And I don't necessarily believe in it just because for a few reasons. Um, people have set the bar far too low mm -hmm. nowadays of what's possible and what's not possible. Like nowadays, if you are, you know, marginally bigger than anybody else, you're on steroids. If you're marginally leaner than anybody else, you're on steroids. Like there's no clear line of what is natural and what is not natural. And I always ask people, I'm like, okay, at what point is it, naturally attainable and what point is it not naturally it's, it's, attainable it's simple if the guy's bigger then he's on steroids and if he's smaller yeah. it's do you even lift that's the rule yeah yeah exactly <laughs> if, if, he, if he's bigger than you then he's on he's on roids or he's taking something if he's smaller than you then he's a pussy right it's like mm -hmm. there, there's this like this huge like paradigm of what is possible and what isn't possible and it's sad because the people who believe that it's not possible are the one perpetuating it because those are the guys that leave comments and say Oh yeah, he's on steroids, he's on steroids. And then, you know, the younger guy that reads that comment, they believe it because they see it so much. And the it, like the sad part is there here's a, here's a person that's doing it the right way, doing it the natural way, has put in the work, has, understands the nutrition, the training, and he he automatically gets categorized into somebody that's a cheater or whatever else, and it's just it's frustrating. And that's why I don't, I don't even like discuss it much online because for the same reason I just talked about being judged, it's a battle that I'll never win. Like no matter what I do, I'll never win. Um, 
So I don't even waste my time or energy arguing with people. It's like, if you want to think it, then cool, think it. I don't really give a shit. Like, I'm just going to keep doing me and keep focusing on myself and let you focus on me if that's what you want to focus on. Um, so my message to those out there that are considering it, I would say don't think twice um, just because, you know, you can maximize a lot of other parts of your training and nutritional program before ever having to get to that point. And it, unless you're like, you know, your livelihood depends on it, then I would never even consider it because, you know, the damage that you're going to do long term is, is irreversible. So if you can, it, like it might be harder to achieve where you want to go or where you want to be, uh, but you can do it. It's just about how much work you want to put in. And that's another thing that, that most people don't realize is that like they've never tried. They've never tried to put in the work or if they have, they've quit and given up. And that's why they're like, oh, yeah, it's impossible. But in reality, it's impossible for that person because they give up. But there's other people out there that have different work ethics than you do. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like it might be impossible for you, but it doesn't mean it's impossible for other people. Uh, but unfortunately, those are the people that are the loudest and will always point the finger at other people or point the finger at anybody that's doing somewhat better than they are and try to bring them down or throw stones at them. So like I said, I, it doesn't even affect me anymore. Like I, I get, I'm so used to it nowadays. I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks. I'm just going to keep doing me. That, that's good. That's, uh, and I full heart believe you that, that you're natural. It's, You know, on pictures, you, you, judging by pictures is first of all the dumbest things. There are pictures where I look crazy. I, I don't even want to post because I'm not that muscular, but on pictures, you often look crazy. And, uh, it's just, you know, people even accuse me often to take steroids. And on the one side, I, I, I take it as a compliment, like, wow, you think this physique, you think that takes steroids. But on the other side, as you said, I think it's really sad that people set those limits that low that they think for this, To like, I gained 20 kilograms of muscle mass. To achieve that, you need to take steroids. I think that's so sad that they have such low expectations. And mm -hmm. I know I follow a couple of guys for such a long time. For example, which you also know, Misha Janjets, and mm -hmm. I followed him for over six years before either of us were vegan. And I saw how he got more educated and how he transformed his body over the years. And he did so many tests and everything. And I full heart believe that he's natural as well. And he's a huge guy. But how sad would it be if there wouldn't be a nice physique achievable if you put in the work, if you do all the factors right, it would be so sad. And I, I truly <laughs> have the limits high. And I see it on myself, how I continuously gain muscles, how crazy I look on a pump. I, I feel like, wow. And it's, uh, it's just sad that so many people have such low expectation and take this excuse like, oh, I'm not big and oh, they're on stairs, stairs and just, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. And I think it's so hard uh, to deal with so much uh, hate of people who just, because it discredits you so much because you put in such hard work. And I mean, most guys who even take steroids, they, they don't look even nearly as good as you do. So even if mm -hmm. you look great, but uh, you know, they just completely discredit you. And I think, But uh, I'm glad that you, you can handle it that well and that you have such a strong skin. And um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you, ha you have to. You have to. I mean, it, like you just said, um, even guys who are on it and take it, um, that's another reason why they, they'll accuse other people of doing it is because they're doing it and they're still not seeing the results they want. But it's like 
you know, it just doesn't make sense for them that anybody else could be in a better shape or they're seeing quicker results. You know what I mean? But it's like 99% of the time, people just want the quickest thing to get them to where they want to be. They don't want to put in the work. They don't want to, you know, track their calories and they don't want to have to do the cardio. They don't want to have to push themselves in the gym. Um, and that's why they resort to those things. And that's why they rely on, on not, not just Roy's, but like supplements and like thinking that they have to buy the next super pill that comes out that will get them, you know, 10 times the games in a fraction of the time. It's like, dude, if you just focus on like the basics, just focus on the basics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's going to get you the most results. But it sucks doing heavy squats and it sucks doing heavy deadlifts. <laughs> and that's why most people yeah. are like, oh, I just take steroids. And I think that's the magic pill. But then I don't yeah. look like him. Oh, he must be on steroids and even more steroids. And then, you know, always this quick fix. But no, it, it sucks. It's it, heavy deadlifts and squats. It's no joke. It's heavy. It takes a lot of effort. You have to be in the zone and everything. And you have to put in the time to learn the proper form. But it's the basics. Yeah. And you just have to do it and not only once not only twice continuously judging by month and then you know put in put in the time and yeah but that's that's the most but but it's the it's the most exhausting but the most rewarding as well because physical exercise just feels great afterwards you're happier your mood is better your sleep is better so just do it and then you will even crave it because you just know how great it makes you feel okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, good that we got the steroids out. Now, <laughs> next question is, as I uh, said before we started the podcast, because you told me that you woke up at like 5 a.m. and someone asked, what is his morning routine look like? Um, that's a good one. So my morning routine has obviously changed a lot in the last uh, few months because uh, I quit my corporate job about, um, I don't know, nine months ago, something around there. Um so before I would wake up uh, pretty early, about 5 a.m., I would meal prep for the day. Um, I would do a little reading, and then I would go to work uh, and have to be there by 6.30. So now I don't have to be anywhere uh, since I work for myself now. And the routine really, it's, it's somewhat different, but now it's like I wake up, I'm stress-free, <laughs> knowing that I don't have to like clock in at a certain time. Um, I'll always have my morning coffee. Uh, I love coffee. Um, I'll meal prep. I'll either answer emails or whatever, but I try to do that at least like give myself like 30 minutes to an hour of like no technology. You know what I mean? Just like wake up and just kind of like just breathe and like practice gratitude. Uh, I'm not the best at yoga. I do, I do a little stretching in the morning too, because I really feel like, you know, breathing into your body in the morning is very important. You know, if you just wake up and start the day with intention, that's another thing that I, I try to tell people as well and practice myself is that wake up with the intention of doing something, whether it just like it has to, it could just be something super small, you know, just like wake up with the intention of like giving four compliments, you know, just like set the bar really low for yourself and just like, I don't know, it was something like about the first like 30 minutes to an hour uh, in the morning. To me, it's the most special time of the day because it sets the mood for the rest of the day. Um, so if you can get yourself in the right mindset, that kind of nothing can, nothing can penetrate that kind of energy force field for the rest of the day. So I'm always mindful about how I spend the first 
hour of my day, whether that be reading, stretching, or just practicing anything positive, because I feel like it trickles on uh, throughout the rest of the day. Nice. That's, that's beautiful. Getting in tune, getting in touch with your body, because we are no machines, we feel different every day. And it's so important to see how, how do I feel this day, analyze, why do I feel tired, why, and then, you know, just get in tune, accept it, and make the, start with, a, you know, how we start the day, it sets the tone, and yeah, that's, that's a beautiful morning routine. And yeah, definitely. I, I think, I, let me just chime in one more time. I, I think that finding a place of solitude in the morning is very important too, because I feel like it's the only time that we can really take advantage of the peacefulness um, of the world. When it's like right there before the sun rises, I feel like there's a very special time of the day where you can just find somewhere quiet and just do a little bit of self-reflection. Um, it doesn't have to be long. Just anything works. I mean, just find what works best for you, like five minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you find works best for you. Um, it actually does a lot of healing for the soul and the mind. Um, just because so many times we were just so active and we're just so go, 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 go. And we don't ever stop and sit in quiet and just pump the brakes and reflect. But I, I think that a lot of people could use that time to really look inside themselves and uh, maybe solve some inner conflict and see things a little bit more clearly. Amen. <laughs> and um, yeah, beautifully said. When do you wake up? Always at five or? Uh, normally between 5.30, 5.30 and 6, yeah. It's five and six o'clock. And when do you go to bed? Um, it depends. Normally, um, I mean, probably like around like 10, 11 o'clock. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And uh, when do you usually go to the gym? Uh, normally, if I'm prepping, then I try to split up my cardio for my training session. So I'll try to go to the gym like early in the morning. Like normally first thing in the morning is pretty easy for me. Um, so I'll be at the gym by like 6.30 and just knock out like maybe 30, 40 minutes of cardio. Like I said, that's like mainly stair stepper and I'll just like listen to podcasts or whatever and just do my Instagram work. Um, but then I'll come back normally around like three o'clock, three to three to six o'clock. My, my schedule is pretty flexible and just knock out my actual like resistance training uh, between that time because I feel like that's the time of day where like I feel the most energetic and I can get the best workouts in. Uh, I normally like to have like food in me. Like I, I, that's why I don't train like so early in the morning, like resistance train. Like I can go and do cardio, but if I were to go and try and do like, you know, weight training early in the morning with no food, I just, I don't like it. I don't like mm -hmm. the feeling. Yeah, me too. I did intermittent fasting for two years and go to, went to the gym on an empty stomach and for uh, like three months ago I switched it up that I had a pre-workout meal my breakfast and after two hours around noon I went to the gym and I just was stronger at my compound movement so I stick to it for now um, so I like it as well it's, it's totally individual m many of my friends they just love it early in the morning and they're strong but I myself I love you know I also switch it on how it fits into my schedule but on average I love to have a post-workout meal and I don't know, with food in my body, I just, I want to move more. And, you know, when you're this fasting, when you, you, your body slows a bit more down, that is, that is what I experienced. And for mm -hmm. cardio and stuff is great, but for heavy deadlifts and bench press, I, I just feel like often, not always, but often if I have a breakfast, I'm a bit um, 
stronger and I need less stimulants than when I go on an empty stomach, but it's totally individual. And um, the next question is his pre and post workout meal, but I would like to change this question to, could you guide us through a typical day of a full day of eating, like for you right now, what do you eat, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, just? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's important to realize that like I eat pretty much the same thing, whether I'm bulking or shredding. Um, I just manage the portion sizes a little bit more tightly. So just keep that in mind. So normally I'll wake up and my first meal of the day um, is my favorite meal of the day. It's like my morning smoothie. So I will add quite a bit of ingredients to the smoothie. It'll be uh, normally banana, almond milk, either peanut butter or powdered peanut butter. Depends on what my goal is. Uh, sometimes even oatmeal. I'll do ground flax seed, um, a scoop of protein, uh, maybe some greens, normally spinach. And I'll just blend it all up. Sometimes I'll do berries and other things like that. Uh, but it's always like a pretty hearty smoothie that's like maybe, I don't know, five to 600 calories, somewhere around there. And, and that lasts me pretty much from the morning until about mid-morning or lunchtime. And for lunch, normally I'll Sorry, always... when do you usually drink your smoothie? Around which time? Um, probably about like, I don't know, anywhere between like eight to nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, if I wake up and have like coffee, it kind of suppresses my hunger a little bit. So I don't feel like I need to eat right like first thing in the morning. Um, before, whenever I was going to like my engineering job, I would have to eat before I went to, to work just because I had like meetings like back to back to back. So I didn't have time. So I'd like drink my morning smoothie at like 630. Uh, but now I have pushed it back to like eight or nine o'clock uh, with a cup of coffee beforehand. And then probably my next meal would be like 11 o'clock, somewhere around there. And it's just like a very big, I have these like very big salad bowls that I just throw everything into it. Like mm -hmm. normally, normally I'll do like either a base, like the base will either be uh, shredded cabbage, lots of, like I'll do like 10 ounces of shredded cabbage per salad. Like this, this is a lot of food. Um, or it'll be a base of rice depending on like my goal. Uh, I'll normally do beans, either black beans or chickpeas. I'll add tofu or tempeh. Uh, I used to do a lot of mock meats, but now I just kind of stick to tofu and tempeh. Just I, I don't know. I think my palate's changed a little bit. I really like those now. Um, I'll do avocado. I'll do grilled vegetables. And when I say grilled vegetables, it can range from a totally – I mean, it's a wide variety of vegetables. And normally I love – uh, mushrooms. I love peppers. I love onions. I love broccoli. I love cauliflower. I love carrots. I love all these things. So um, I'll either steam them or grill them and I'll put them in the salad bowl and I'll put avocado always. I love avocado as well. And um, yeah, I just make like a huge salad. Like you see what I post a lot on my food page and uh, I call them salad bowls, but I mean, really, it's just like a huge bowl of a bunch of food. It's not yeah. necessarily a salad. It's I call it like a Buddha, like a Buddha bowl, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I make the same. I call it the V-Gains bowl, but it's yeah, the there same. You go. And yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Your, um, your channel is called then, uh, quickly um, that people find the the food channel. It's called a vegan body, vegan no body vegan food bodybuilding. Is that the page? <laughs> Plus, uh, uh, vegan bodybuilding food. Oh yeah, vegan bodybuilding food. It, it's great uh, and. Um, 
And uh, this is usually after your training, right? Uh, this is before my training. Oh, before. So okay. th this would be like this would be like meal one essentially. Okay. Uh, but it's a big meal, and that'll last me till about you know two o'clock. And when do you and, usually eat it? Uh, I normally eat that meal between like normally around eleven o'clock. Okay. And um, for a snack, I normally always will either have avocado toast or avocado and rice cakes. It's like basically avocado toast, but on rice cakes, like plain rice cakes. Mm -hmm. Or I'll do. Um, I do I, it on I, corn I, cakes. Oh yeah, corn cakes. Yeah, same. Like very good. Yeah. Um, I'll either do like a peanut butter uh, and fruit. Mm -hmm. So on like a rice cake too. That's just like a really simple, quick snack for me. And depending on whether I'm like maintaining or bulking or shredding, I'll either use like a real nut butter, like almond butter or sunflower seed butter, or I'll do like the powdered peanut butter and mix it up into like a much lower calorie, lower fat content spread, and then add like fresh strawberries and blueberries, and that'll be like a really good uh, like low calorie snack for me. Because I don't like you to mix go to it up with just water. Uh, uh, you could use either almond milk or water. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you just get like the powdered peanut butter and yeah. put a little bit of like almond milk or water, it, depending, it'll give you a little bit more thickness if you use almond milk. And um, it makes like a really creamy peanut buttery spread, but it's only like, I don't know, 50 calories for two tablespoons mm -hmm. as opposed to like 200 calories for two tablespoons. And it's like very little fat content. It's got like maybe 10% of the fat content. And it's like it's it's a really good like macro friendly snack, so that's why I normally use it. But I love my my regular peanut butter or almond butter too. So when I'm not like worried about calories, I'll just add like real real peanut butter or sunflower seed butter. Sunflower seed butter is actually my favorite mm -hmm. of all the nut, of all the nut butters. Um, I hope they so get le like less pricey over the time, because that's why I stick to peanut butter because it's just in Germany the, by far the cheapest one. And uh, like the, the one you just mentioned, uh, what did you say, pumpkin? Um, uh, no, sunflower. Uh, sunflower. I, 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 I never seen that, that, that before, uh, so, but I think it would be pricey here in Germany. Um, but yeah, yeah, keep on going. Yeah, I, I, don't know, it's not, I don't know if it's available everywhere, but it's, like, it's a good alternative for those who have like nut allergies as well, because yeah. I think that sunflower seeds are not part of like the allergenic family, nut family. Um, but don't, don't quote me on that. Or tahini, tahini is awesome, yeah. <laughs> and that is easily available everywhere, basically. Oh, yeah, I'll, add, I'll actually add a lot of tahini to my salads as well, or my, my big bowls. Um, that's normally like my dressing of choice, but if I'm not using like an oil-based dressing or like a fatty dressing, um, I'll normally mix up nutritional yeast and liquid aminos and add either, um, that'll kind of be like a cheesy salad dressing. Or I'll do um, like salsa, just like fresh salsa. Like mm -hmm. that's pretty much all I need uh, for like to make it a little bit less dry and more of like a dressing style. Um, but yeah, I just, I just keep it pretty simple, and I'll eat like two to three of those bowls per day. So um, that was your um, lunch, like around yeah, 11? and that's then pretty, that's pr pretty much my lunch and, and dinner. My, and dinner, yeah. I'll and have like two lunch meals, so I'll have like. So like a pre-workout meal for me would normally be like a banana. Uh, I try to limit my fat consumption before and after my workouts, like immediately before and immediately after. Uh, I try to just stick to carbs and protein. And then after my workout, I'll normally do like a post-workout shake, which will be 
uh, a lot of fruit and a scoop of uh, protein powder. And then I'll have like another one of those big bowls at night and then some, some more snacks for me. I'm, I'm big on like granola and cereal as well. So I really have to like be cautious of how much I keep in my house. Cause I can go through like a whole bag of cereal mm. or granola like really quickly and go like way over calories. But, yeah. uh, I, I they try add to up eat. so they add up so quickly. I know. And they trick you too. because it's like, they measure it in three fourths of a cup. <laughs> so normally who, who the hell measures anything in three fourths of a cup? Like I always do like a full cup. So it's like you go yeah. over your calories really quickly. In Germany, we, we don't measure with cups, so we don't have that on the label. And but I, I I've been to the United States many times, and they always, you know, this promotion on the on the label. It's it's always not per 100 gram, and they try to, yeah. You have to be cautious what you what you're buying. Don't be tricked by oh this many grams of this and that and zero calorie. And no, you have to look 100 gram. What is in there? And most importantly, what are the ingredients? What are you actually eating? And if it starts with oil, sugar, syrup then it's yeah mostly not good um, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but you can find in the in the u.s you can find even clean granola so you have, you have such a big variety and that that's what is the uh, the thing i'm the most jealous about your your whole foods your trader shows you have such a great variety here in germany we we don't have that <laughs> but we have yeah. the whole foods and that's great that's what i eat mostly and i recommend and that's great you find whole foods everywhere Yeah, and, and we really are blessed and lucky to have those types of, you know, stores available to us. But um, that's why accounts like yours are so great because you, you teach people how to make those ingredients or those, those meals that you find at like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and all that stuff and make it easy for people to make at home, uh, which a lot of people don't realize how simple it is to mm -hmm. create some really delicious recipes at home. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to spend a ton of money. Uh, it just takes a little bit of effort. And a little bit of knowledge, and you can have like a really nutrition, nutritional whole food plant-based meal plan that'll help you build muscle or shred down really yeah. easily, and cheaper and healthier mostly because you can make oil-free hummus, and you you know what is in there, and you can leave out the salt, too much salt, the oils, and yeah, it's 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 super simple, so much stuff, and um, yeah, a, a couple more questions about the full day of eating. Um, do you make This bowl you described, do you make a big bowl and uh, divide it into two portions for dinner or do you usually make a new bowl for dinner from scratch? Oh, no, I make it from scratch. Okay. I, I, you know what? I didn't realize how much raw food I ate until um, recently. I eat quite a bit of raw food. So like I will literally just have everything like chopped up in my, in my fridge, uh, like tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, mushrooms. Like I will just like grab them and just like throw them in the bowl. And uh, it takes like takes me 10 minutes to make, but I'll, I'll cook like the tofu or like the tempeh and have it all sliced up before, so I can just like easily grab a few chunks of it and measure it out to be like four grams. I mean, uh, four ounces, and uh, I know exactly how much protein I'm getting per per bowl. That's nice. Yeah, when you do it yeah. like that, it's so convenient, and making a bowl goes so quickly. And if you have all the staples conveniently, it, it goes. It, you can prepare those meals super quickly and. No excuse to not make them. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or if you have like, uh, you know, if you're go on the go, and you have everything kind of like already pre-cooked and separated in your fridge, it makes it really easy to put it into meal prep containers and take with you. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like another really big tip that I could tell people is just like, cook in bulk, 
So cook your rice in bulk, cook your sweet potatoes in bulk, cook your tofu in bulk, cook your veggies in bulk. Um, or if you, you don't even need to cook some veggies, just like have them available and you can just easily throw them into a container and take with you. Yeah. And even though I don't meal prep, I always cook my legumes and whole grains in bulk because they take a while, some of them like 20 minutes. But if you make a kilogram, it lasts for a week or even longer. You can freeze it and you always have it handy. And it doesn't take more time cooking them once in bulk. So that's, that's a game changer for me. Yeah, definitely. Okay, someone asked why he started with bodybuilding and what are his, fu and what are his plans for the future? <laughs> um, so funny story, whenever I first started, I, well, I first started going to the gym when I was like, I don't know, 16 or 17. It was like the first time I ever stepped foot in the gym. And I really liked it, but I never really took it seriously. Like I just, I would just go here and there and, you know, towards the end of high school, I got a little bit more interested in it, but still only went to the gym like maybe once or twice a week. Uh, then when I got into college, uh, I started you know, lifting a little bit more frequently, but still had no idea what the hell I was doing. It wasn't until my last year of college when I was like, uh, what, 23, that I started, like, I became friends with like personal trainers and they taught me a lot about training technique and different types of forms, different types of exercises. So that's when I really started getting into lifting was when I was 23. And right be like right after that, immediately after that, I moved to California And there was the part of California to where I live, where I moved, wasn't much to do at all. Like it was kind of like really agricultural. There's a lot of farmland. Um, there wasn't much to do in the town. So I just started going to the gym more and I got a little bit more involved in the gym because at, at this point I was like, you know, before I was in college, I was doing a lot of activities with friends and, you know, social activities. And then I moved to this new town. I didn't really have any friends. I was working this, you know, 6.30 to 4 p.m. job every single day. And when I got off work, I would either, you know, I had the choice. I could sit at home and just watch TV or I could go do something a little bit more productive. So I just started going to the gym more. And I made some friends in the gym and got a little bit more involved, a little bit more involved, a little bit more interested, a little bit more focused. And um, so I would say about 23 is when I really started my bodybuilding career because that's when I really started following any kind of regimen, any kind of plan, nutritional plan. And that's what led me to become vegan as well is because I started digging more into nutrition and, and found out the importance of nutrition. Um, nice. but yeah, but as far as like bodybuilding competitively, that just happened on a chance, you know, like I was going to a gym, um, and a friend of mine just happened to suggest it to me. He was like, Hey, you're looking really good. You should do like consider doing a show. And I just kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, right, dude. Like, I'm not going to get on stage and, like, flex in front of people. Like, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, only, like, you know, meatheads do that. And, you know, the more I sat and thought about it, I was like, you know what, why not? Like, it's something different. Like, it'll be a fun, challenging goal. And who knows what can happen. And uh, right at that same time is when I actually went vegan. So I had no idea, like, the challenge I had ahead of me of, like, going vegan and then deciding to do my first bodybuilding contest at the same time. So it was a bit of a learning curve for me, but I think that's why I figured it out so quickly. Um, because my, my first show I ended up, you know, I, I ended up winning the entire thing. Oh, and wow. then the How second show I, the second show I did, I won the entire thing. Wow. And then like, it just kind of snowballed from there. But at the same time I started sharing my journey and saw how many people were interested in the way I was doing it. 
So how old yeah. were you uh, during your first show? Um, let's see. I was 24, I think. 24, so only one year of proper training. Kind yeah. of. Or no, I, was, I think I was 25. Okay, was two 25. years. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's great. And and then because you won two shows, you realized, wow, I, I could actually be good at this and pursue this and help people because no one really is doing it vegan on this level, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the first the first one I did was a, a real a challenge to myself, and I was like, I just want to see how I stack up and how you know how it goes. And after you win anything, you get, you know, more excited and you get more passionate about it. And you want to get better at it. So that first show really struck a chord with me and, and like inspired me to go further. And um, that's when I decided to compete in like a bigger organization um, against much bigger competition. And I was like, well, I, let's see if I can hold my own against these guys. And I, I did the next show and I ended up winning that one, too. And that's when I really thought to myself, I was like, maybe I can take this somewhere. And like, you know, people are so uneducated about the fact that you can build muscle as a vegan. You can even be alive as a vegan uh, <laughs> that I'll just start sharing my journey online. And then it just it really did just snowball from there. And I had I never had any intention of being where I am today. But, you know, that's just the power of social media. And like it just shows how many people were interested in the vegan lifestyle and and just learning about a different approach than what most people were doing it. And, um, yeah, that was just kind of how I am or how I got to the place I am today. Uh, but for the future, uh, I'm definitely going to compete uh, a few more times. I want to get to the Olympia stage, which is be, like my ultimate goal since I first started. Uh, when, well, since I first had the idea of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, And I, I don't know if I'll make it this year just because of my schedule is so crazy and it's really hard to select a show and then try to launch businesses and travel and do everything else I'm trying to do. Um, so I might have to wait until next year to make it to the Olympia stage. But after that, I really don't feel like I'll have anything more to prove. Um, and who knows? Who knows what will happen after that? Maybe I can focus on other things other than bodybuilding. But uh, I'm, I really started bodybuilding to use it as a platform and to to show people that you know you can even be as extreme as a bodybuilder because not everybody wants to be a bodybuilder but i figured you know if if i could show people that you can make it this far and be a professional bodybuilder then what what more mm -hmm. convincing what more convincing do you need like what limitations do you think there are if this guy can do it as a professional vegan bodybuilder who's never had meat what more convincing do you need you know So that was kind of that was kind of my whole intention with uh, with using bodybuilding as a platform. But who knows? Maybe there's another platform out there that I can reach even more people uh, in the future. But until then, I'll just keep focusing on my original goal and uh, and just see where life see where life takes me. Yeah, and that is what I recommend. Don't plan ahead your your entire future because just live in the now and take you know follow your highest excitement and where it will lead you. You don't know. But if you stay true to yourself, it, it will be a great direction and you're on a great path and I see a bright future for you and I love what you do and you will reach more and more people and just be a big part of especially your niche of really showing on this competitive level, you know, you know, I, I'm a muscular guy, but you know, many people on your, on your level, they would look at me and say, hey, do you even lift? But having you... <laughs> We need more of you that 
on this level showing people hey this is possible and as you said if this is possible then you know what reason is not to to go bland based if you just want to be healthy and thrive easily and you can even build muscles and even a lot of muscles so so that is great yeah stay on your path and yeah exactly and that's that's like my whole goal is just inspire young other young guys to to just be open to the idea you know what i mean you don't have to go plant-based uh you know from one day to the next but if you can see more and more people doing it um you know speaking on the subject more uh speaking about all the benefits not only just the health benefits but you know the environmental benefits the ethical benefits uh, of adopting a plant-based lifestyle then it's going to become more normal for guys to to be open to the idea uh, of becoming a vegan or you know just trying it out or maybe just even lowering the consumption of animal products so it's like the benefits are just they're endless and if i can just inspire one guy um then I feel like I'm doing my job and maybe like it's always like a snowball effect or a ripple effect. You know, that one guy can go on to inspire another couple hundred thousand people, just one person, you know, like that's, that's my ultimate goal. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and just keep speaking on it. And hopefully one day it'll become mainstream and I won't have to talk about it anymore. But uh, until then, you know, we have a lot of work to do yeah. and that's why we need, we need more people just, you know, using their voice and using their platform. Yes, you and I, we will be in the history book and one of the great influential people who brought more compassion to this world and made plant-based the new norm and yeah, we'll see. But um, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you do and you have such a huge impact, you cannot imagine because nowadays so much is judged on the surface and people, you know, they don't care about the facts and everything, they care about the looks. And you present it and they see it like, wow, this guy looks healthy, super fit, muscular. If he can do it, I can do it. And often it just takes the spark that people go on their own journey. And if they do so, it's a no-brainer because it's the biggest win-win-win concept I've ever encountered. Better for your health, the environment and the animals. So there is no downside. So you just need this, this spark and your page and you just, you know, I think you gave a lot of sparks already and just sparking so many people and yeah keep keep go keep going yeah thanks man yeah i mean exactly what you just mentioned with like that's unfortunately that's like a really effective way of, of spreading a message is just like getting 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 somebody's attention based off how they look and then you know now you got your foot in the door for them to like hear your message and let's face it if i was just a you know some fat guy that was like, or just like not fat, but like out of shape, like, you know, like people yeah. might not respond as no, no, easily. No. If, I'm, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm out of shape and I'm talking about all the health benefits, then like I'm not walking the walk, yeah, yeah. you know, totally. I'm just, I'm just talking. So people wouldn't be as receptive to the idea of being plant-based, but if they see somebody that's in shape and they, you know, I'm doing a bodybuilding contests or just showing how easy it is to thrive on a vegan diet, then people are a lot more receptive to the idea so that's kind of why uh i i think that fitness itself is such a is such a positive platform uh, for spreading this message yes and that's a big motivation of mine because i know what an impact it has if you just look healthy thrive and um that's that's what i i love to get stronger to to show them hey be an be a role model and lead by example 
Um, you mentioned that, um, I mean, now you live in LA, close to the Gold's Gym, I assume, because you train there, right? Yeah, yeah, I live like a uh, few minutes away, like 30, 35 minutes, depending on traffic. Everything in LA is depending on traffic. <laughs> okay, so you, you cannot walk by foot to the Gold's Gym, not that close? No, definitely not that close. I'm like 30 miles away from, oh, from okay. Gold's Gym. And where did you live uh, when, you, when you said you, like when you were 23, when you lived, where there was only um, a farm, where was that? Yeah, so that's uh, Bakersfield, California. It's it's like two hours north northeast of LA, but it's much more central California. Uh, the weather is very different than the coast, um, and so is like the culture. I guess you could say like it's mainly like a farming country. It's farming and oil and gas. Like that's uh, Bakersfield's uh, primary like business. Mm -hmm. And you moved to um, LA after you quit your your job as an engineer because you wanted to live close to the Gold's Gym or the Vibes and what was the reason? Uh, so I actually moved to Long Beach, California while I was still engineering. I transferred down to uh, Long Beach because I ended up going to, um, I went to Bali, I'll make a long story short. I went to Bali and basically I did a lot of self-reflection and just kind of identified how unhappy I was with my current situation. Um, living in Bakersfield and working this job that I didn't really like. And I just came home from that trip and went straight to my boss's office and told him that I would like to transfer or take time off so I could go apply other places because I just couldn't live in this town anymore. And I needed, like I hit my ceiling, like I needed to, I needed to grow. I needed to get out. And he was nice enough to set up a transfer for me down to Long Beach. But then I quickly realized that it wasn't the location that was the problem. It was the occupation that was the problem. And I just wasn't, I didn't have any sense of fulfillment being an engineer um, or the job that I was doing engineering. Engineering is very fulfilling to me, but the current job that I was doing just didn't, it wasn't making me happy at all and no amount of money was worth my unhappiness or my time. So that's when I decided to make a decision and I was gonna, you know, I, I said, fuck it, I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to pursue my dream. Like you only have one life to live. Why not make it the best life and your happiest life, regardless of money, regardless of all these other things that you don't necessarily need. You might think you need, uh, but those things aren't what brings you happiness. True happiness is, is fulfillment. It's helping others. It's, you know, spending time with your loved ones, building relationships, building quality relationships. Those are the types of things that I wanted to focus on as opposed to uh, spending a majority of my time doing things I didn't want to do. And let me guess, it was your best decision ever. Oh, yeah. I kicked myself in the butt for not making it, you know, a year earlier. Uh, but I really believe everything happens for a reason. And I wasn't ready to make that switch at that point in time. But uh, when you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, that one day I went to work, I knew <laughs> that it was going to be my last day. And I went, I had almost like a sense of... Um, what's the word, like almost like a panic attack or like a sense of like claustrophobia where I felt like if I didn't do it now, then I would never do it. Mm -hmm. And I just like on an impulse, like I went straight to my boss's office and like I just shut the door and told him that I, I needed, I was putting in my, my notice of resignation. And um, yeah, it was the best decision I ever made. Like I kind of freaked out for a little bit, but then, you know, the universe always finds a way like to reciprocate what, you put out there and ever since I've fully invested myself into you know being a vegan advocate helping people online inspiring people being a content creator 
the universe has reciprocated and allowed me to, you know, uh, provide for myself and open up new opportunities, new doors that would have never been opened if I would have remained in that other occupation. So yeah, it's the best decision I ever made. And I, I can definitely tell people out there who might be kind of teetering or, you know, considering making a switch or a career switch, then just, I, I recommend to really thinking about it and identifying what makes you happy in life because you only get one life. And although it might not be the easiest decision, it's definitely a decision that is worth making because there's a million other shitty jobs out there that will gladly hire you. You know, why not? Why not take a chance at doing something you want to do instead and living a, a fulfilling life? So, yeah, yeah. sorry. That was just that like was my great. little rant. <laughs> that, was, that was great and really valuable. And I'm so great you did it and show the people how great it turned out because, you know, people are so afraid of it. But what is the worst thing that could happen? You, you quit your job, you fail at what you wanted to do, and then you just get a better job, which you might like more than before. Like that is the worst thing that could be done and the best thing is just you know that you pursue your dreams and you follow your passions you live with purpose and you find a way to make money with that and actually have an impact and live a fulfilled life so like that if that is the upside like i would go for it and if the downside would be like only that then why are people so afraid of it but it's often that culture and what society thinks and then they classify oh he's a failure and people are so afraid of those stereotypes but i say hey just find what you want that is the most important thing because you won't be happy if you quit your job if you then don't do what you love find your passion i always say follow what excites you and if you find it and then there's always a way how you can make a living out of it because we're living in 2018 you can make money with everything so find something you're passionate about and pursue it and then your life just feels great and you basically don't have to work another day because you do your work automatically you love to do it you would do it anyways so I'm, I'm so glad you did. And um, yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. I'm glad I did too. <laughs> and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing too and, and, and helping people. It's making a huge impact and I can see the waves that you're creating. And yeah, like I said, it's just like you're one person, you know, whatever inspired you, um, you know, you're now going on to inspire hundreds of thousands of people. So that's why I, I, I always, you know, you know, tell people just like follow your dream. Like you never know what you can do. You never know. Like you're your only limitation. So yeah, sometimes sometimes you have to push yourself uh, to your limits to know where they are. And a lot of times it's much farther than what you think they are. So you just don't give yourself enough credit. Yes, well said. Okay, we're already coming closish to the end, but I quickly want to talk about um, supplements. What supplements do you regularly take? Okay, so supplements are fairly easy. Um, I always recommend three supplements that vegans particularly should take, and that's vitamin D3, uh, vitamin B12, and some form of DHA or EPA, uh, whether you eat sea vegetables or you take it from like a seaweed oil or a pill or whatever. Uh, those are the three that I really recommend. So that's D3, B12, and DHA or EPA. Um, and that is because, uh, let's face it, a vegan diet doesn't necessarily provide the quantity in which you need those foods. Um, or D3, I mean, normally everybody has a D3 and a B12 
deficiency, they could all supplement from it. But vegans in particular should be conscious of that. Outside of those three, uh, I normally take protein powder. I take BCAs. Uh, I'll take some other multivitamins or, or vitamins um, such as like magnesium, zinc. Um, those two I really am firm believers in. I also will occasionally take creatine. I haven't taken creatine in quite some time. Um, and that's pretty much just because I haven't, you know, bought it. <laughs> it's not, I'm not saying I don't believe in creatine. I think it's a very well-studied, uh, well-documented supplement that's safe to use and effective at the same time. Uh, I think there's a lot of supplements out there that are complete bullshit and they use exaggerated results from studies to, you know, promote a product that doesn't actually work. You're just taking uh, placebo or like Dr. Joel Kahn says, just really you're buying expensive urine, you know, mm -hmm. so you just piss it out anyway. So, um, that's pretty much it. Other than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, nice. I keep it really simple. Yeah, me too. Um, I agree with all of them. And, um, someone asked, what's your favorite Vivo life product? Uh, favorite Vivo Life product is definitely the protein. Um, I like the salted maca mm -hmm. caramel flavor just because I feel like it blends well with mostly everything. It's kind of like a neutral flavor that can be fruity or nutty or like you can add like, you know, rock a cow to it and make it more chocolatey. So I feel like it blends well with, with mostly everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Pretty I much even... Like they'll tell you I'll, when I order my supplements from them, I normally only get the salted maca. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you quickly want to tell uh, my community about your project, veganfitness.com? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Um, so essentially, veganfitness.com, we plan to make it essentially bodybuilding.com mixed with nutritionfacts.org. Uh, so we want it to be a very evidence-based um, location where people could come and learn about the science behind training and nutrition and become like a centralized resource for anybody who wants to learn more or optimize their training or nutrition or uh, learn more about supplementation or you know, read content or, or see content from some of the top fitness experts or top medical experts in the field. So we've been lucky enough to partner up with some very uh, influential plant-based medical professionals. Um, more to come on that later, but we have some really big names that have endorsed us and are going to be contributing content and really quality content as well. So that's the plan for vegan fitness right now. It's pretty much a members only website where we're offering training programs and nutritional programs. And we just launched our second uh, challenge, our eight week challenge. And the first one was a really big success. We saw a ton of really amazing transformations from both vegans and surprisingly non-vegans. There was a large percentage of the challenge members were not vegan prior to the challenge. So they came away you know, extremely happy with the results and extremely happy to learn how to, uh, you know, prepare proper nutritional programs based off of their goals, uh, from a vegan perspective. So that's like what we're really focused on. The demographic that we're trying to reach is the non-vegans because we want to show them how easy it is and how tasty it is and how cheap it is and how, um, how quickly you can see your progress. So 
that's essentially veganfitness.com and the informational aspect of the website should be launching relatively soon hopefully within the next month we're going to have a bunch of articles and video based content uh, like I said from some top plant-based medical professionals uh, to give loads of free information so I'm really excited about the project and that's almost the main reason why I quit my job was to create a platform where I could reach even more people than what I'm reaching on my social media platforms. That, that sounds great and yeah guys check it out veganfitness.com and as he said more informations are to come and just follow Nimai on his Instagram there he keeps you up to date I have no doubt and before we close it down I have three questions the last questions which I ask all my guests are you ready? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, what scares you? Uh, that's a good one, man. I haven't been asked that question in quite a while. Um, I would say failure. Failure always has scared me growing up. Um, both my parents were immigrants and they came to this country uh, with basically no money and just lots of hopes and dreams for their kids. And I was the first American born uh, in my family. And I feel like I owe them a lot for my opportunities that I've been given in the childhood that I was raised in. And that's why I always wanted to become successful is so that I kind of fulfilled their dreams that they had for me by, you know, basically uprooting their world to give uh, better opportunities for their children. So failure has always been a big driving factor of mine. Um, to not fail and to be successful at anything I did. And that was one of the main reasons why I decided to be an engineer was because I knew that it was a successful, it would, you know, it would be a well-paying job um, and there would always be success in engineering. Uh, but then I, you know, I, I realized that success is measured in more things than just money. And um, yeah, so failure is definitely a big one for me. Nice. Best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received? Um... Let me think about this one. Um, I think, I don't know if anybody has directly said it to me or maybe they have and I haven't listened, but I would say the best advice that I've ever received would be to just do what makes you happy. I think that so many people do what makes them unhappy <laughs> for mm -hmm. reasons they don't even know. Um, they just kind of fall into a routine, into a pattern, into a state of comfortability, and they just accept it. And they don't realize that they're not stuck, and they don't realize that you know the world is at their fingertips, and it's just about making decisions and taking action to, you know, to do what makes you happy and create a life for yourself that you enjoy. Um, like I said, I'm very big on. Sorry, it's my coffee maker. All good. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very big on, you know, the fact that you only get one life or you only, you know, remember this life experience once. So why not make it the best life? Like why spend it doing things you don't want to do, you know, for things you don't need to impress people you don't even like. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 there's so many reasons why you should just focus on what makes you happy and your life will just kind of unfold before you. Um, so yeah, I would say, definitely say do what makes you happy. Really well said. And the last question is, what is the future of veganism? Uh, I think the future of veganism is going to be 
uh, much more mainstream. I, I think we've already, I, you know, we're right on the cusp of this explosion of acceptance from the mainstream uh, in regards to veganism. Uh, I think so many people now it, it's almost becoming like normal for people to say they're vegan in some parts of the world, which is a huge step before it didn't matter where you were. If you said you were vegan, you were considered a weirdo. Um, you considered strange, but now with so many companies jumping on board and seeing the demand for vegan products, uh, they're providing them, you know, it, Let's face it, the world runs on capitalism. It, it runs on making money. So the more demand there is for veganism, the more companies will get on board with it. And then eventually the more policies will be put in place uh, to make certain standards uh, more vegan friendly. So I think it's, it's going to become more mainstream much quicker than we anticipated. I think it just started – at the right time, it was progressed by the right people, and I think the hard part is already over, or it's it's like right about to be over uh, within the next couple of years, and then afterwards, it's just going to be considered somewhat normal, which is the ultimate goal because that just normality is going to create such a big difference in so many levels um, that people are going to be, you know, they can't deny the evidence anymore. Uh, and they'll be much more likely to adopt a lifestyle. So, yeah, that's the future of veganism. It's going to be normal. Amen. Go vegan. Well said. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. And, guys, definitely follow Nimai on Instagram. There he just keeps you up to date with everything he does. For example, his great brand new podcast, Generation V. And it quickly... I, I catch up with all the episodes and it quickly got one of my favorite episodes. I, I love your podcast style going deep, great guests, all the stories like the butcher recently. It's crazy where people come from and you really dig in there and just easy going, listen to it during the gym, Generation V, such a great podcast. So thank you. Any last words? Uh, no, just thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk and us getting to know each other. Uh, yeah, I look forward to working together in the future, man. Thanks for having me on and, and allowing me to share my story. And there you have it with another great episode. And I would love to hear your feedback. Just write me a direct message on Instagram, a YouTube comment or an email. Or give me a five-star review on iTunes. If you're in the iOS app, the podcast app, just scroll down five stars and write me something. I would love that. Or go to iTunes, Vegans Podcast, five stars. It would help this podcast a lot to be exposed to many more people so thank you so much if you already did so thank you if you will do it and just thank you for being curious open-minded and just listen to this podcast because i have no doubt you took something out of that something valuable and it also was motivating for you to crush it in the gym not only hard but also smart so yeah I just ended here. I, I love this conversation. I, I love podcasts. I'm so passionate about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that you picked my podcast because there's, there's so many podcasts out there. We have an information overflow of everything. And yeah, I'm really grateful that you pick my podcast, that you get something valuable out of it. And yeah, that makes me so happy. I, it, I'm just super passionate about podcasts and 
um uh, the feedback i get it, it just warms my heart so yeah let me know your feedback let me know your future guests you want to have here and i don't talk any longer because this podcast is already super long but that's what i love about podcasts there is not oh you have to hurry up and there's only the attention span of under 10 minutes no you just press pause and when you want to continue to listen to then you play play again and um you you know when you when you're in the gym when you cook all these things when you go for a walk when you commute there, there is no rush and if there is a break because you do something else and you just press pause and then play again so these podcasts can go forever and that's what i love because you can truly you know get deep into something talk slow really you know go into a direction that isn't bland and just be in the flow and elaborate on all kinds of stuff you haven't even planned out and really build a deep bond and you know before i listened to Nimai's podcast his new podcast generation v i i didn't really knew who he was how he is and i only saw you know his his instagram posts and his caption but i don't know how is this guy really but then after listening to like five podcasts each over an hour I truly felt like I know this guy and that is so great. And you know me, if you're a long-time listener, if you've listened to over three episodes, then you know me. And that is so great that I make so many friends around the world and cannot wait to meet you all. And that is so lovely, this cycle. So thanks for listening and until next time, peace out.